Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Welcome, everyone, to RB1 Colon Fantasy Football Podcast, part of the Fake TV Podcast channel. I am the consummate professional, presenter of the DeAndre Swift gift for those with a swift lift up, up the fantasy gift list, first ranking officer of the Terry McLaurin Stand Club of BFFs with the Oracle, your humble host, Pete Rogers. And I am joined by only one of the guys. It is the Scotty Miller fanboy, mule skinner of the Zacherts decline wagon, head excavator of the Robert Tanyan Canyon, proud father, Quentin Nelson, the tight end whisperer, Jordan Smith, Jordan, you must've been super happy. Uh, happy national tight ends day. It was, it was a great day for me. I worked very hard with the rest of the uh, national tight end committee to get that on the calendar for the week. So very big moment. And I'm glad it happened. We we applaud your efforts. You really you really took what uh, America was yearning for, and uh, and gave it to them. You know, so who cares about a national holiday as you know voter right, the day that you vote? Who cares about that being a national holiday? Let's make let's make tight ends have their own special day that we all recognize a position that uh, maybe is what third, fourth, fifth most important on your offense. But uh, well done, you and, and Travis Kelsey and, and George Kittle for, for making this a thing. It's, it's for the guys that do it all, the pass catchers, the blockers, the, uh, the no-name tight ends who steal touchdowns from your short goal line running backs. That, that's what you, we do it for. You love it. You got to love it. Um, well, there is a lot, and I, I, am, I mean it, there are a lot to get to. So we are just bringing you a full Week 7 Reactions podcast Two of us are just going to run through all the crazy shenanigans that has went down this weekend, went down prior to this weekend. And we'll start with the biggest news uh, from week seven, which is sadly Odell Beckham tore his ACL out for the season. Baker doing great Baker Mayfield things, which was throw an interception on his very first pass, which then led to Odell getting his knee looked like twisted. uh, And obviously that resulted in a torn ACL. And then of course, What does Baker do but uh, go on an absolute tear and throw for five touchdowns and make this uh, Browns offense passing game suddenly like sexy and viable and and all kinds of exciting led by T Higgins who had six targets, six catches, 110 yards. And then Donovan Peoples Jones coming out of nowhere for the game winning touchdown. I don't want to trust this Browns offense, but damn they play the Raiders, Texans, Eagles, and Jaguars next, Jordan. I am having a really hard time as an Odell manager not going wild for Rashard Higgins this off waivers this week. I mean, it could be one of those classic situations of addition by subtraction. We've seen Odell have plenty of games with the Browns where things just aren't meshing, but they're he's still getting a high target volume, um, like 13 targets, but only four catches like we've seen those games before and it's like they're obviously very much trying to get Odell involved in the offense and that's what you should do when you have a star wide receiver like that but it just didn't seem like it was very natural um and they were doing it kind of as a play-by-play basis and not so much as part of the game plan um Jarvis Landry I expect to just get completely peppered with targets like he's going to um have a ton of those um Austin Hooper, when he comes back, and he only had, well, not only, but he had appendicitis, so he had surgery. He, he should be back had. in the fold. Jordan throwing <laughs> shade at appendicitis. <laughs> Just saying, it's not a uh, not a torn ankle ligament or something like that. Um, really goofy game from Harrison Bryant, who like kind of filled in on that same role, even though they have David Njoku. I wouldn't be surprised if Njoku was still um, wanting to get traded before the trade deadline. 
And uh, you mentioned Rashard Higgins, but one of my waiver wire pickups would be Donovan Peoples-Jones. Um, it just seemed like he had uh, a very athletic skill set when he got onto the field. Um, could be one of those guys that kind of in the vein of Chase Claypool. I'm not saying they're the same player, but once they get on the field, they could have three or four games where people just don't know what to do with this person because there's really no pro tape on this guy. And um, they haven't played Donovan Peoples-Jones all year, mostly because he's a, a raw talent, but still a usable talent. Yeah, he is 6'2", 200 pounds. He had three catches on three targets for 56 yards and then that game-winning touchdown. I like both of these guys. I'm wondering if this is going to be – I have two thoughts. One, my first thought is I'm wondering if this is going to be a similar to like Sean McVay, Todd Gurley situation where Sean McVay clearly, once they once the Rams moved on from Todd Gurley, McVay's offense seems to have opened up because now it's no longer like we need Todd Gurley to get his touches because we paid him all this money. And it's like Daryl Henderson or Malcolm Brown or Cam Akers, like whatever the hot running back is, that's the guy who's running this backfield and they can kind of cycle guys in and out. And I'm wondering if we might see a similar thing with the Browns where Odell is no longer in the picture. And so now you might see more Jarvis Landry, obviously, but this running game that is Nick Chubb, Kareem Hunt, and then you're going to see maybe some mix over Shard Higgins and Donovan Peoples-Jones, but like they've already been running a ton of two tight end sets. So you might see more of that and you might see a bunch of, you know, uh, Austin Hooper and Harrison Bryant. I mean, they, I've, everything I've heard is that the Browns love Harrison Bryant. So it seems like he's mm. his, I don't think that like you can expect two touchdowns from him, obviously, but, uh, but like, he seems like a legit part of this offense moving forward as a possibility. And, and even if they don't trade in Joku, like this offense could look entirely different and we could just see them be a two tight end set, two wide receivers run the ball kind of team, which no longer prioritizes Odell Beckham and instead spreads those targets out across everyone. And so maybe it's, an annoying team fantasy wise. If you don't own those, if you're not a manager of those two running backs, but something that could ultimately help Baker Mayfield and this Browns kind of Browns offense kind of click and get on the right track. Yeah. Once uh, Nick Chubb gets back, hopefully he's back by week nine or shortly after that, the Browns just kind of go back to being the uh, we're going to pound the ball a couple times. And then we're going to get it to those, either the two tight ends or the two tight, wide receiver sets um for now i think the browns are pretty much matchup based if you're playing them um i saw i forget which uh writer retweeted this but now it's all over the places the the baker mayfield cycle i don't know if you saw that image oh i have Uh, seen the meme but for those i'm going to describe this meme in an audio format um (laughs) it basically starts out in five parts it's play like shit get criticized by media <laughs> underdog mentality play amazing for a game that's where we're at right now call out doubters and then it repeats to play like shit <laughs> criticized by media so um watch out for next week in case the browns uh don't exactly do that well because they were playing the bengals who have lost a lot of close games but they're uh they're not a very good team no but they do the browns do have a pretty nice schedule moving forward like i said they have the raver uh the raiders in weeks eight then they're on a bye for week nine. And then it's Houston, Philly, Jacksonville, Tennessee, and then it's Baltimore Giants, Jets, Pitt. So it's like, I mean, if if this offense does, if the losing Odell does ultimately shift things up and they like, and things, we get more what we saw against the Bengals than what we've seen prior. Like the Browns could go on a little run here. They're five and two. Somehow the Browns, like I, I have this preconceived notion the Browns just suck. And that's always the news coming out of Cleveland is they suck. Five and two is Nothing to scoff at. Let me tell like you, as a AFC Patriots fan Browns. who's two and four, <laughs> or no, they're they're the AFC Bears. Yeah, it's like, wait yes. a minute, what's their record? <laughs> wait, how are you uh, atop of the division? All right, let's move on. So you talked about Chase Claypool. Chase Claypool, fun while it lasted, completely was disappeared uh, in Week Seven, and that was because Deontay Johnson back on the field and immediately. Led the team in targets with 15 targets, nine catches, 80 yards, two touchdowns, but then left with an ankle injury. So when healthy, it is clear that Deontay Johnson is a wide receiver one for both the Steelers and in fantasy, but he's shown that he can't stay healthy. Jordan, like if you're a Deontay Johnson manager, do you think about 
trading him and trying to get away from him because of the fact that like, while the talent is there, he just can't stay healthy or on the field. Um, well, I am a Deontay Johnson manager well, and go. I think about this almost every <laughs> other week. Like he, I didn't even see the injury. All I know is that it, he got his point. So I was pretty happy about it. I didn't really look much deeper into it. I don't know if the ankle injury is something serious or if it's like when he hurt his back and he missed a game and he'll be back in the lineup in a week or so. But yeah, it's clear that he is like, one of Ben's go-to guys you can see it when you watch the games is that Ben is looking for him when a route doesn't go the right way if there's a miscommunication or whatever Ben is still going to go back to him like he doesn't lose faith in this guy Um, I like him as an option week to week when he plays better than like Juju Smith-Schuster I like him better than Chase Claypool because I think Chase Claypool once he starts playing against some real teams that they're going to start being able to figure out what to do with him. And that's exactly what the Titans kind of were able to do is key in on him. Um, yeah, I don't know, man. I Deontay Johnson, I'm worried if it's like, this is going to be his career or if he's just having a really like shitty amount of luck over the past couple of weeks. Yeah. I mean, it's, it is, I will say before we like ultimately panic about his career, this is like this season, given the, the fact that there was no offseason, no preseason, no like we have seen a litany of injuries go down, especially just like small little tweaks here and there and players missing a couple of weeks. So it's like it is somewhat comforting that like this is seems to be a league spread thing. But his just like the fact that he it, it really is he is when he's on the field, he is a must start wide receiver one. But then you're constantly like every other week, is he going to be on? Is he going to be off? And it is something to worry about. For Chase Claypool, uh, I am a Chase Claypool uh, manager. And as a, as doing the wide receiver rankings for fake teams, had him as my wide receiver 12 this week. Uh, just wanted to just put, put Deontay Johnson there instead. Nailed it. Um, so I have huge – I was all aboard the Chase Claypool hype train. I'm still on it. Like I wouldn't worry if you're a Chase Claypool owner. I think that what we saw – Sunday is what what we've basically said and Deontay Johnson was just kind of like a surprise play at the last second when when he is on the field Chase Claypool is relegated to that third receiver spot and it's more gimmicky plays he had one reception behind the yard of line of scrimmage like they're going to get him in kind of as more gadget there because Ben is looking to get the ball to Johnson Juju Eric Ebron starting to get more involved and obviously James Conner in the backfield but with Deontay Johnson, if he misses any time, Chase Claypool now emerges, immediately steps into that big X receiver down the field play. So it is something to take in take in consideration. I personally will now not – Chase Claypool will never be ranked above a wide receiver three unless Deontay Johnson is assured that he is not on the field. And then which Clay, Chase Claypool becomes a wide receiver one. Yeah. I, like, I think to clarify, like you should probably still keep on playing – chase claypool unless he strings together a couple of like single digit games uh just based on the fact that we've seen him absolutely explode a couple of times it's just that um whether deontay johnson's on the field or not it that's kind of the uh it's kind of the tax you pay for starting a rookie wide receiver in fantasy is that sometimes they're just gonna put up games where they just don't have it and they're still working their way through figuring out how, how to play in this league and that's just that's what's going to happen for him. So as long as you're okay with that high variance, then keep on going with these rookies. Yep. Uh, moving on more wide receiver injury news. Uh, Debo Samuel tweaked his hamstring against the Patriots. And it sounds like according to Kyle Shanahan, that that is going to be, uh, and I quote, some time is what, is what the uh, Sacramento B reports. You never know. No, it pulled on him on that run, which usually is sometime missed, said Shanahan. So, uh, one hand, this sucks. Debo Samuel was kind of starting to click in and get involved. He'd had two good games where he had 60-plus receiving yards and then also um, some work on the ground uh, in, in the last two games. But this is another Brandon Ayuk 
is more, more than likely available on your waivers. He against the Patriots had seven targets, six catches, 115 yards. Um, this, this 49ers offense is just, I, I have to give a hat tip to Kyle Shanahan because it really is just beautifully schemed. And it seems like no matter who he puts into this offense, they are able to just get open. And I feel I, I, I am feeling this way right now, Jordan, and I'm sure you felt this way at the peak of McCarthyism in uh, in Green Bay, where it's just like you watch your receivers get un- be unable to gain any separation, and the quarterback I have no idea where to throw the ball, and then you look at an offense like Kyle Shanahan, and you're like, how? Just do that. How? How can? How can my receivers not get wide open on drag routes, and then just like have 20 yards yak afterwards, like? So Shanahan's offense is entirely trustworthy. Um, and we'll also talk on, well, we'll throw it in now too. Jeff Wilson also torched the Patriots for 112 yards and three touchdowns, but he also left with an injury. Um, that is an ankle injury, which is something to also keep track on. Uh, I haven't seen anything in terms of how serious that is, but the 49ers deal with more injuries. Uh, so if they are going to miss serious time, then Brandon Ayuk and uh, Jarek McKinnon and uh, who's the other guy, uh, Jamichael Hasty, are all worth waiver odds because you just anyone who Shanahan plugs into this offense seems to be money. Yeah, I was gonna say that Brandon Ayuk is kind of a he's like a low key floor guy that you can put in there at the flex position to just be able to uh, hold on for for dear life of getting you like 10 points. He might not blow up. Uh, he kind of blew up this week, but he's had, let's see, four games with um, three or fewer catches. And out of those four games, three of them, he only had two catches, but he has had another game of five catches and another game of six. So he's kind of doing a lot with a little on these catches. And I think that's why he's not really showing up in a lot of people's uh it might not be showing up in a lot of people's fantasy lineups is because they see a guy that gets two catches and you're a little bit worried about like, Oh man, what's going to happen. But I get the notification, Brandon, that you've made a catch for 25, 30 yards. And you're like, boom, there you go. He only needs to have another one of those. And he's got you your double digit points already. So right. he's uh, not exactly a PPR monster right now, but he, I mean, with Debo Samuel out again and him growing in this offense continually, he very well could be a PPR monster very soon. Yeah, and when and when we saw Debo Samuel out, he uh, not only had obviously a lot of influence in the in the passing game, but when you mentioned back in Week Four against the Eagles, he had two catches for 18 yards, but also a 38 yard rushing touchdown. So, like, that's yeah. the beauty of this Shanahan offense is that with both Debo Samuel and Brandon Ayuk, like even if they like, they just get the ball in their hands, whether it's rushing, whether it's passing, whether it's screens, whether it's down the field, like they just Shanahan, I can't gush about this man enough. God, he's so good at his job. And it just makes you look at everyone else in this league. He's like, you all suck (laughs) in comparison. So, so yeah, they are both. Mm -hmm. I mean, I feel confident in buying any part of this uh, 49ers offense. And it's honestly like, it's a great fantasy offense because not only can you just plug and play players and, and they will perform, but also they're dealing with so many injuries that there's so much turmoil turnover that there's so many players available that you can like get to add and like get to uh, get to be on your team. Yeah. And I think Ayuk has been like hit with an injury tag this, this year as well. Like at least being questionable, I can't remember what he was hurt with, but if he's got a clean bill of health, that's just improving his stock even more now. Yeah. Uh, an offense that I am not thrilled with and am utterly terrified moving forward is the Dallas Cowboys, who we talked about last week as a possible struggle when we saw uh, Andy Dalton take over. And then Andy Dalton against the Cardinals. And then Andy Dalton and the Cowboys go and take on the Washington football team. And what happens? But Andy Dalton gets concussed, leaves the game. Some dude named Ben Ducini comes in and, and tosses a couple balls. Uh, so obviously Andy Dalton's in concussion protocol, but things keep getting worse, man. CD lamb had five targets, no catches. Michael Gallup had two car- targets, no catches. Jordan, is it officially time to panic about this Cowboys passing game, which may either have a ban- banged up Andy Dalton under center or this Ducini guy who's, who sounds like he belongs in the Sopranos. Yeah. I think that you're probably hitting eject on this fantasy season for the Cowboys. 
Um, if you're like in a dynasty format, you probably are hanging on to Lamb or Amari Cooper, but I would try to see what you can get from Michael Gallup um, at this point to see if somebody wants to overpay. Uh, I, I feel like th- this might be partially our fault. We, we talked about the Cowboys <laughs> yeah, we- this summer, like every other week with how great it was going to mm-hmm. be. And it's just, this is like, Owning up to it right now, this is our incredibly big miss of the year. It has I mean, to we, be. Were, we were like, we were pretty odd when Dak was healthy and then Dak went down and good Lord. But we both, I will say we both, like we thought, we thought that even with, everyone thought that like, even with Andy Dalton coming in, things would be fine. You, you know, obviously we a step down, but maybe not the step down we anticipated. But yeah, we, uh, when Odell got traded to the Browns, I at least just spent the entire offseason hyping the Browns up to the umpteenth degree, and that didn't happen. And then we spent this offseason hyping up the Cowboys offense. We might we might have to uh, stop hyping teams up, Jordan. Yeah, well, I mean, Andy Dalton was a serviceable starting yeah. NFL quarterback for years. And now, suddenly, he looks like Nathan Peterman out there. Oh. It's just not, it's not great, especially for... Uh, Mike McCarthy, who prides himself as a quarterbacks guy, it's not a good look at all. Uh, over under, and not even over under. Does Mike McCarthy last the season as the Cowboys head coach? I think he does. I we've talked for years, like they held on to Jason Garrett for like five years too long. So I think he at least lasts the season. Um, I think he'll last way longer than he should, though. Anyway. Oh, the, well, the Joneses are, yeah, they, they're attached to people. They really are. You, uh, you must be pretty happy with your young, sexy Matt LaFleur perusing the sidelines. I mean, it's been great. It's, it's nice <laughs> to have a coach come in and not be one of those like recycled head coaches who was like, Oh, we've seen this guy before. What, what did he do? Oh, his last year he was four and 12, but we're going to give him a starting but we're gonna... gig anyway, because he was an offensive coordinator for a couple of years. That's it's good to see it. Good to see some, some new blood get in there. Uh, all right. We are going to continue to talk about week seven, but before we do, we are going to take a quick ad break. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. All right. Speaking of sexy coaches who peruse the sidelines, whoo, baby, is Bill Belichick struggling in New England? (laughs) You're talking about Steve Belichick. Oh, I mean, that mullet. Have you ever heard Steve Belichick talk? It is, you close your eyes and they're the exact same human. Yeah, I think I, I have. Somehow I've heard him speak before. It's it is pretty remarkable when uh, Steve Belichick takes over for Bill Belichick in whatever five years, we won't even know the transition occurred. Uh, but there was a transition that did occur in New England. God, these transitions, I'm killing it. Uh, Cam Newton, not a great game. Threw three interceptions. Looked tentative with the ball. Was not really quick to run. Uh, he was just holding on to the ball too long. The Patriots offense looks like a hot mess. He got benched for Jared Stidham, who immediately came in and threw a pick. This offense is a mess. Uh, Cam hasn't looked right since he's got COVID. Uh, he is just, he seems to be short-arming balls. He hasn't been accurate. Now, this is things that we've seen before in Cam's career where he is a streaky quarterback. Like, there are times where he gets hot and he's the best quarterback in the league, both running and passing the ball. But uh, what, like what we saw in the first two weeks of the season. And then you get stretches where he's just not 
connecting. He's overthrowing balls. He's being tentative in the pocket. He's not making the right reads. So unfortunately, when you're at his point in his career where he's older and has gone through multiple surgeries, it seems like those you don't want those bad streaks to last longer than the good streaks, but that's kind of where we are in. Belichick says Cam will be the starting quarterback, uh, but my faith is wavering, and I am definitely looking for a quarterback in leagues in which I have Cam. For me, this offense is is an avoid until proven otherwise in my book. Yeah, I didn't get a chance to watch that game really closely. Did it kind of look like they were down, so they were just forcing Cam to throw, or did they really get away from that offense that was – like very fun to watch in the first month. Yeah, they got away from the ground game. It just hasn't been there. They've had a bunch of injuries across the offensive line, which I think, of course, has played into it. Um, but the rushing attack hasn't been there. It's been more of a, like, it seems like early in the game, we're going to get Cam passing, which I guess could make sense as you're trying to get him warmed back up into a into a rhythm. But you would think that how dynamic that rushing game looked to start the season, maybe – Patriots fans will hate to hear this. Maybe Sony Michelle was the key. And since Sony Michelle has been injured and is on IR, they haven't been able to have as dynamic a rushing attack as they were looking to have. But uh, I, I personally don't believe that. I think Damian Harris has looked really good in his, in his bouts and they just haven't been running the ball. Also fun story. Julian Edelman targeted three times this game. He caught one. The other two were intercepted. So uh, <laughs> Julian Edelman Looks like a shell of his former self. As Nick loves to say, I think the injuries have finally caught up to him and just the beating that his body has taken. Personally, I would be looking to unload him if I were uh, a fantasy manager. At the very least, try to trade him for whatever you can, but he might be just droppable at this point. You might not even get trade uh, people biting for him on a trade. Yeah, it, Edelman looked a little spry in the first couple of weeks of the season, but now I think he's hit his ryan fitzpatrick plateau where it's just it doesn't look good anymore and it's time to figure out a new way to get pass catchers the ball uh it's, his receivers aren't studs by any means and it's kind of there's a lot of chatter on the twitter airwaves today about the uh the new england draft strategy over the past couple seasons and how they missed on a few studs not just wide receivers, but across the entire roster. And I think it might be a little bit too soon to overreact uh, to the Patriots, like as a football team, maybe for a fantasy purpose, because they don't really have anybody that you trust all that much to start week in and week out. Um, but th- this is just what happens when you have a really rough game and you don't have the like pure talent around you to kind of, like hang on for dear life and dig yourself out of it. These are very much guys who are uh, signed onto a team to be a part of an entire system. And when the system has some uh, broken pieces in it and shuts down for a game, then nobody's prospering from it. Yeah. And uh, I've seen those, obviously those uh, hot flaming draft takes that have been going around the interwebs. And while I don't disagree with them. Like I think Bill Belichick, the GM is starting, has gotten in the way of Bill Belichick, the coach pretty recently. Um, But I do want to quit this point because I love my boy, Nikhil Harry. And I will, I will go to war for any against anyone who dare speaks ill of Nikhil Harry. Uh, You can relate to this, Jordan. Devontae Adams, sophomore year. He had played 13 games, 52 catches, 483 yards, 9.7 yards per catch, one touchdown. Julian Edelman's rookie year, 11 games, 37 receptions, uh, 357 or 359 yards, 9.7 yards per catch, one touchdown. Tyreek Hill's rookie year, 16 games, 61 receptions, 900, 593 yards, uh, 9.7 yards per catch, six touchdowns. In 12 career games for Nikhil Harry, he has caught 30 passes, 271 yards, nine yards per catch, and three touchdowns. So, yes. If you compare him to Debo Samuel, A.J. Brown, D.K. Metcalf, Deontay Johnson, Terry McLaurin, all who were taken after him, it doesn't look great. Hindsight is twenty twenty. <laughs> Those are all like stud wide receivers who have come in and, and made an immediate impact. But let me tell you, as someone who is married to a Packers fan, there were for long stretches of time early in Devontae uh, Adams' career where Becca would be like, God damn it, Devontae Adams, just catch the ball. Learn how to catch the ball, Devontae Adams. And now, 
six years into his career, he's like the best wide receiver in football and just put up a redonkulous week seven where he went for like a buck 70 and two touchdowns. So these things take time. And there's been so much turnover and so much turmoil in New England that uh, I am I will hold my judgment on whether or not the Nikhil Harry pick is a bust. You know, give me two years and let's see where things stand. Obviously, it doesn't look great now, but uh, maybe let's let's slow down in the oh my gosh, Nikhil Harry is a terrible pick and a trash wide receiver department. Yeah, the thing is, this is kind of Nikhil Harry's rookie season um, because he wasn't able to play at all virtually last year. Um, the, the difference here with him and uh, most notably Devontae Adams is that you were able to hide Devontae Adams behind guys like. Jordy Nelson, Randall yes. Cobb, even the last legs of Donald Driver in Green Bay. Um, Nikhil Harry, had, his knock coming out of the draft was that he just might not be able to get open. Um, and I think that is a pretty significant like physical uh, characteristic that you need to overcome as a young football player. And it might take him longer than some other players to figure out. Cause like, I mean, AJ Brown and Debo Samuel, those, those guys are just able to run away from people and they're able to get the ball in space. And Nikhil Harry at worst, he might end up being just like a big red zone guy who they can throw the ball to, but I don't know, man. Uh, it doesn't look great. Even T Higgins is able to make some football plays and he kind of has a similar athletic profile. Yeah. The, the I'm staying on my hill, but my hill is definitely getting smaller. Uh also before we leave the Patriots, big old fuck you to Jeff Garcia and anyone who likes to take a flaming hot Cam Newton shouldn't be dressing in clothes take while he's uh sucking at football. So uh big I mean they pulled him because the game was out of reach. Right. They didn't they didn't yeah. Anyways, let's continue on. A uh, couple running back injuries that went down on Sunday night football in what was a ridiculous game. Holy crap. But Kenyon Drake left with an ankle injury. He is supposed to be out a couple weeks. And Chris Carson is expected to be week to week. But actually, I just saw a little breaking news, which is to say that um, they're expecting him to be sooner, uh, back sooner rather than later. So there might not be too much worry there. Uh, for Kenyon Drake managers, though, go get yourself some Chase Edmonds. Yeah, the Chase Edmonds handicap is a easy one and obvious one and probably should have been like he was startable, I think, in a few formats if you were looking for a flex guy, uh, even as the backup. Uh, he's kind of in that same vein of like Cream Hunt, maybe a notch below Cream Hunt as a backup running back who can still get you points, but like a slight notch above like a guy like Jamal Williams who can go off and give you a good 20 points randomly. Um, so that, that's an easy handcuff. Um, Chris Carson, if he misses time, I'm not sure Carlos Hyde in Seattle is, is Rashad yes. Penny still there or Rashad Penny. I think he's uh, still I wouldn't coming really back know what from to do there. Yeah. Uh, Basically Chris, it's by Chris Tyler Carson's, Lockett. <laughs> yeah. Chris Carson is just really, he, he's just a real silent G up there. Like he, he goes and he gets his 16 fantasy points and he's like, you don't really hear much from Chris Carson, but he is, he's like an RB one, like week in and week out without being too flashy. I made sure to buy a lot of his stock this year in fantasy because for that exact reason where it's like every year, I'm always like, ah, Chris Carson, uh, is he, is he reliable or like, is he reliable or is, is he really what I want to take? And then you look at the numbers and you're like, the dude like ends every single year, despite missing games as a wide receiver one or running back one. So I was like, all right, I'm going to heavily invest in Chris Carson. And uh, he's had some injuries, but for the most part, I am pleased with my investment. Yeah, I mean, always a good investment when you get your RB1 in, uh, like, third or fourth round, you know. Uh, all right, well, two final things on the docket to talk about. They are not injury-related. They are some crazy fun wide receiver speculation. And we'll start with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers officially signing Antonio Brown, who won't come back from suspension until week eight, which means he won't play until week nine. Jordan. 
you have to have loved the fact that Scotty Miller got one last great game in uh, <laughs> against the Raiders. I think that that is, I think that Scotty Miller is still worth rostering in fantasy, despite the fact that like a whole bunch of people came after me on Twitter this week because I said Scotty Miller was worth adding off waivers. And everyone's like, oh, did you know that Antonio Brown signed with them? It's like, oh, did you know that Antonio Brown can't play until week nine and has to learn the playbook and has to get into game shape? Like, are we sure he's really going to make an immediate impact? But how are you feeling about the Bucks passing game and your boy Scotty Miller and Mike Evans, who's kind of kind of been putting on a nice little disappearing act recently uh if the addition of antonio brown i don't think that's gonna help yeah um as it was nice to see scotty miller blow up for like 20 points as he sat on all of my benches this week um, <laughs> isn't that just how it goes pretty much yeah i i think the the key thing to remember with um players like scotty miller and just like speed guys is that they play a certain function on this team they're not going to uh, – he might – his snap percentage could go down because they might do some different things on offense with Antonio Brown, but he's not going to be – A.B. is not going to be a one-for-one replacement and do all the same thing Scotty Miller does. Like, they're not going to just send him uh, down the field three or four times a game because he – however you may think of Antonio Brown, he can do a lot more than just run fast and get down the field. And, I mean, he didn't – played football last year and he's over 30 he might not be able to (laughs) run that fast down the field anymore um i am and i I think this plays a a bigger role in your fantasy life because mike evans is actually like a week-to-week starter and scotty miller is more like a flex spot start when you really need a guy uh i am worried about mike evans being like the guy who basically his production gets replaced um i think it's I think slowly but surely um, Tom Brady might be like trying to mold this into his Patriots offense. Like you see Gronk suddenly getting a ton of targets and, you know, he wants to get Antonio Brown. Cause remember Antonio Brown, when he played his first game with the Pats against the Dolphins last year, they destroyed like the, the Dolphins weren't good. Like, Actually, I don't even know if that was the first game. It was like the second game. It was his first. No, it was his first game. It was the only game he played with the Patriots. And the other thing is the Patriots yeah, beat right. writers are all just like, Tom Brady could not shut up about how amazing Brown was in practice. Like Brady was, this is, Bruce Arians has said that like, oh, Brady wasn't involved in this decision. This was entirely Brady being like, I want Antonio Brown on this team because he is obsessed with him. He he just, I think he's the perfect Brady loves the work ethic, loves the, you know, the, just the uh, route technician and like the reliability of Brown's going to be where he wants him to be. I think Brady is obsessed with Antonio Brown and wants to play with him. And that just further terrifies me about Mike Evans. I think, I don't think it's Scotty Miller who people should be worried about. And you're right. It's Mike Evans because Mike Evans is going to get replaced by Scotty Miller as the downfield guy. It's going to be, it's going to be Chris Godwin, Antonio Brown at whatever level he can be as Brady's primary target, Scotty Miller down the field, Gronk in the middle of the field. And like, we were going to talk about some trades we would love to see this week, but are, are would you be surprised if Mike Evans gets shopped? Like I wouldn't, I think the Bucks need to. I think the, the only way uh, the Bucks shop Mike Evans is if Mike Evans makes an issue about it. And it's like, Hey, I kind of just want to go play somewhere else and be involved. Um, by Bruce Arians accounts and Bruce Arians is he's just a liar. Like let's call it what it is. <laughs> spade a spade. He, he has not told us the truth all year long. Um, he says though, that Mike Evans wants to win and that's all he wants to do. And like, I get that. And I can see why the bucks, like, why wouldn't you want to keep right. three really good wide receivers? Um, especially when, you know, each Sunday isn't guaranteed. And one of those guys could end up going down. Um, Other than that, it's, it's kind of like Tom Brady absolutely had a part in this. Like he is calling the 53rd guy on the starting day roster and is like, Hey, actually you're not suiting up this week. We signed a new guy. I structured the contract myself. um, (laughs) And I'm the one that am, am bringing this guy in it. I wouldn't be surprised if Jason Lick had no idea when he woke up the other day. It was like, wait a minute. 
we're signing Antonio Brown. <laughs> Wait, no, um, I did not agree to this. Brady's like, no, no, you did. I got your signature right here. Yeah, and that that sort of like chemistry and like especially with a guy like Tom Brady, when he likes a guy yeah. like a target, he likes them. Like he wants to get married to them, and it's just like it's worrisome like I'm a little bit worried about Chris Godwin's targets as well even though Chris Godwin is the should be the clear number one wide receiver I'm like just slightly concerned that some balls that were supposed to go Chris Godwin's way end up going Antonio Brown's way just because Tom Brady likes him better yeah or he knows him better I I'll, I'll say it's I should have maybe the Buccaneers shouldn't want to trade Mike Evans I want the Buccaneers to trade Mike Evans (laughs) yes I if Mike Evans is if let's get some good old-fashioned NFL tampering going on yes and let's have uh you know let's have my guy Gutekunst in Green Bay start to whisper some sweet nothings into the agent of Mike Evans say like hey if your guy still wants a shot at winning like here we go like come up here or um another team i'm trying to think of who's actually contending this year it's really hard to figure that out um baltimore I mean, you could go could steelers use... baltimore no, baltimore is a great one they need a wide receiver right now their passing game is really very rough and a big target like that he yeah I mean, they they love tight ends. <laughs> Mark Jackson loves Mark Andrews. Let's just basically give him a bigger, better tight end that plays on the outside now. They've already proven they're they're ready to make some deals to to get oh. some W's. So, Jordan, now I'm obsessed with this. This needs to happen. I need Mike Evans on the Baltimore Ravens because it'll make Lamar Jackson better. It'll make Marquise Brown better. It'll make everyone in that offense better. Make it Mike. happen. Mike, start start causing a fuss, man. The start, yeah, the Buccaneers. Yeah, come on, man. Like as soon as December rolls around, Tom Brady's old man arm is gonna fall please. off. It's gonna it's Just, gonna freeze right off. You know, Tom Brady. Tom Brady. He he loses Super Bowls. Just just look at the track record. <laughs> yeah, he's uh. He's a system guy. <laughs> yeah, he's a system guy. He's not in the right system. Yeah, Mike, push your way out of uh, push your way out of Tampa. And let's let's go to Baltimore. I love it. I'm here for it. Uh, speaking of a wide receiver who might be on his way out, let's wrap things up with some real hot Michael Thomas speculation drama. So here's the narrative. Here's the storyline of Mike Evans. He was supposed to be back like, or excuse me, Michael Thomas. He was supposed to be back like week four, and then got in a fight and got suspended before the bye week, which I totally didn't see that anywhere. I feel like that was kind of like hush-hush, kept under the rug. Uh, But maybe I'm just blind, and I totally missed it. We thought he was going to play this week, and then suddenly he crops up on the injury report with a hamstring that now might keep him out through week eight, that like he might not play until week nine. And then there's also these trade rumors floating around about him. I don't know, dude. Something has me feeling that this is like a Jimmy Graham-esque departure where the saints are just going to suddenly turn around and trade michael thomas for like three first round picks and i don't know some sort of center and uh and just maybe like completely rebuild this saints team on the fly drew Brees is retiring at the end of the year we know that and it's like who do you have behind him where are you going to get this pick this quarterback to play along with michael thomas and the wide receiver position isn't exactly the one that's like the most patient for a rebuild like i can count on one hand the number of wide receivers who have patiently waited through a rebuild and it's AJ Green and Larry Fitzgerald. <laughs> That's it. Yeah. It's a little weird that the, the saints haven't looked great like week in and week out. They definitely could use, I mean, Michael Thomas, like he's the one that is would unlock that entire offense. Uh, whether that be for Jared cook to start putting up really great numbers or Emmanuel Sanders and like Alvin Kamara has basically been it like, uh, he's the, like the yak Lord down there. And I don't know th- this hamstring injury after the, the other injury that landed him on IR. It, just smells kind of fishy. Sounds like, it sounds like a made up like coaches bullshit type of thing is like, we are just going to make sure this guy stays on the sideline so he can't re-injure himself and that we can talk to some other teams. Uh, if I'm Michael Thomas, I'm more than okay with that. Because whether or not the 
Saints make the playoffs this year. I mean, Drew Brees already has a contract pending to announce football right. games. In a right. Way. Let's not like, pretend that Drew Brees has like another year here. He is retiring at the end of this year. And the Saints have like, unless it's like Jameis Winston, maybe have no real backup plan. Yeah. The end is near for the <laughs> Saints and like, well, not the Saints in general, but for, for Drew Brees, at least being there and like, yeah, they have some really good, young players on the offensive line on the defensive side of the ball but we have seen time and time again if you don't have the quarterback that's putting it together for you uh, you're not going to win a whole lot of football games and it takes uh, it could take a couple tries you, you know not everybody is pulling Aaron Rodgers off the shelf after Brett Favre like that's just right. not how it works. It's those are more of just aberrations than actuality. So the fact that the saints could uh, struggle to find a backup, I mean, Taysom Hill could still be the future, like 31 year old. Taysom <laughs> Hill. Fuck that noise. Uh, yeah. So like Michael Thomas, you're a young wide receiver and this franchise seems to be, I don't know, hiding you in some way and not taking care of you let's let's go see if you can be on a contender like he let's same teams that we just talked about for mike evans (laughs) go get go get can't guard mike on twitter and just start adding him to be like hashtag green bay like let's get Devonte adams and mike thomas on the same field and watch corners break ankles every single week. I mean, I love him. I would love him in green Bay because he seems to like he would pair. Obviously Michael Thomas can do more than just run slant routes, but him pairing with Devonte Adams is brilliant because Devonte Adams can run every route in the tree, but especially can be the downfield big play guy. And Michael Thomas is just going to run win off the line every single time. And Rogers just like pew done 10 yards easy. And we're just going to slowly chug down the field. Yeah, I mean, anybody who's looking, because we mentioned before that it just doesn't seem like there's a lot of teams that are really jumping out and be like, oh, that team is hard to beat. Like, even the Chiefs this year look kind of yeah. beatable. Um, yeah. I mean, the Raiders, like, proved that they can Wallop take them. them to task. Yeah. And um, the Ravens have struggled. There are teams out there that could definitely – use the services of this guy so i feel like in a, a weird year where there was a weird off season just kind of go all in man let's like, get crazy there are at least six teams on each in each conference that could win the super bowl i feel like so yeah yeah i am here for utter and pure insanity uh before we go jordan we talked about a bunch of guys uh, just through the injuries about people you should be adding off waivers. Is there anyone else in particular who you feel like people should be prioritizing on the waiver wire this week? Um, yeah, this is a little bit of a deep cut, but I think you should try to go and grab, um, I'm, I might butcher this name, Albert Aquegbenum. Um, mm-hmm. He is a rookie tight end uh, for a national tight end day. Um, rookie tight end <laughs> Jordan staying the, on brand staying on brand um, for the Denver Broncos who um, it's basically a bunch of role players in Denver and other fellow rookies like Jerry Judy and KJ Hamler who are uh, catching passes from Drew Locke and I think with a Quagbenum and he's kind of the, he's in the same vein as Noah Fant, where they're both just kind of big, fast tight ends who catch balls, and they're not necessarily like one's the pass catcher, one's the blocker. Like they both kind of do similar things, and um, you kind of thought that maybe this guy would take a step back this week um, after like a seven target performance the week prior, but he had like another seven or so targets and like just as many catches, so. Uh, he's very much like a, he could have up and down weeks, but he could also have like a rookie season kind of like in the vein of Evan Ingram. Um, and yeah, you, you want to be careful with these guys because they're tight ends, number one, but they're also rookies. So I don't know, just yeah, somebody they, to keep an eye on to stream. 
Yeah, he saw six targets against the Patriots, caught two of them for 45 yards, but he also had like a, a touchdown in his mitts that he that he dropped. Uh, and then against Kansas City, seven targets, seven catches for 60 yards. And the Broncos play Chargers, Falcons, Raiders, Dolphins, uh, and then Saints, and then Kansas City again, and then Carolina. So that's, I mean, yeah. and then Buffalo Chiefs and then Raiders again. So like, that's a nice schedule for him. And I think you're right that with, with the injuries to Deshaun, uh, not Deshaun, um, Cortland Sutton, no idea why I thought Deshaun there, uh, that you might see again, these two tight ends being prioritized uh, in th- over, over someone like Tim Patrick or as, as Drew Locke kind of is looking to get back into his comfort zone. I, speaking of Raiders, I have suddenly discovered that like Nelson Aguilar has low key been balling in recent weeks. Uh, he's had a touchdown and has gone for at least 40 yards in each of his last three games. And he's coming off of his best game, catching five of nine targets for 170 yards and a touchdown against the Bucks. which the Buccaneers is not a defense to scoff at. This is a top defense in the NFL. And, and Nelson Aguilar was getting open, open against them at will. And now they get to go play the Browns in week eight, which is a delightful matchup for any wide receiver as the Browns have been struggling to contain uh, wide receivers. And so I like Nelson Aguilar has long been a punchline in the NFL, just given his inability to draw, to catch the ball, especially uh, since he was a Philadelphia Eagle and Philadelphia fans love to mock and ridicule those who they root for, uh, which we as Patriots fans never do. We are the uh, classiest of fans in new England. Uh, so, uh, but so, yeah, I like, I like Aguilar and also go add Cole Beasley. Cole Beasley belongs in more rosters than like 40% of Yahoo leagues. He has been just killing it. He's now scored a touchdown or gone over a hundred yards uh, in four out of his last five games. So. Yeah. I feel like Aguilar is even available in like the deepest of dynasty leagues. Like he's 3% just owned in, in, in uh, Yahoo. Yeah. He's, he's there and he kind of had to step in when um, Henry Ruggs got hurt in Jer- uh, not Jerry Judy. Uh, Brian Edwards wasn't available, but he, very clearly has earned himself a spot in the offense and as a starting wide receiver like why not are you going to turn the ball over to um like brian edwards who's a rookie and has like not even played this year yet right i don't think so no 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 well there you go that is all we got for you today so make sure you subscribe to the fake teams podcast wherever you get your podcasts itunes spotify stitcher that is how you'll not only find us or get us but also our fantasy baseball and basketball podcasts make sure to follow us on twitter at rb1 podcast follow myself at pdm rogers and jordan you can follow at jordan underscore smith 27 little pause there uh we will be back at you on thursday two talk starts and sits for week eight until then peace